Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for checking into the best Houston sports podcast. Co-host Sean Bajani with Sports Radio 610. He's on vacation, but luckily our contributor and co-host Emeritus Stephen Kerr is here bringing his nearly four decades covering sports in Texas. And Stephen, Sean's shown ultimate confidence and optimism that your Astros will turn it around. What about you? Well, I would like to share that optimism, Robert, and I think every Astro fan would. Let me just tell you this, because I've done a lot of thinking about this lately. A lot of the things that are happening this year really don't surprise me much. And if you go back and listen to our season preview, I remember saying that the Astros may win 90 games, and I did say that they would probably still win the division. I I don't know if that's going to happen at this point. They still could, though. They're only five and a half games out as, the, as we're recording this. So it's not inconceivable. But what I did say is that I didn't feel that the Astros were going to dominate this season. Well, they certainly are not dominating. And if you ask some people, they're actually imploding. Yes, they're a half a game back of a playoff spot <laughs> at the time we're doing this. But they're also only five and a half games out of first place. And there's still plenty of baseball left. So... I'm just not ready to push the panic button yet. I I feel that there is still time to do something. And look, even if the Astros don't win the division, let's say the Rangers are are for real and they do win it, they can still get in the playoffs. And as we know, even though it was the craziest season on earth in 2020, you know, it certainly was not normal. You know, anything can happen when you get in the postseason and they still could do it. So that's kind of my take on it is, You know, I think things will turn around, but maybe not in the way some fans believe it will. Yeah, we're recording this uh, Monday night. And so, you know, after Sunday, they're still a half game back from from the playoffs, right? Yeah, Uh, as of now, they are a half game back of a playoff spot. And uh, the Rangers have a five and a half game lead. And, you know, obviously, if the division is not in sight, then they're going to have to battle for one of the wild card spots. And that's always tough to do. But. Look, this team has had six ALCS appearances, even during seasons when they weren't as dominant as last year. And and here's the thing, and I know we'll get into bullpen woes and, you know, things like that. But you just I I had to believe that the bullpen was not going to be as lights out as it was last year, that in, in some cases the offense wasn't going to explode the way it did last year. It just doesn't always happen that way. Sometimes if you're going to get back to the World Series, you got to do it the hard way. I mean, look at the Phillies. You know, they did that last year, and they almost won it. So who's to say that even if the Astros fall down this season and don't win the division, they still couldn't do it? Steven, I want to play a word association game with you. I'm going to rattle off Astros players who participated in the World Baseball Classic this, this year, and I want you to give me just one or two words that describe their season so far. Are you ready? I'm ready. Bring it on. Luis Garcia. Uh, Very disappointing. Yeah. Well, I gave you the one word. Injured. (laughs) Gone. Yeah, injured. Jose Urquidy. Uh, Injured. Gone. Jose Altuve. Uh, You know, that's a hard one because... Yeah, he, somewhat disappointing, I guess, only from the standpoint that he was injured. Yeah, injured half the season, 
So I don't know if there's one word, but injured a lot. Uh, just two words. Uh, Rafael Montero. Oh, what kind of a word can we use to describe Rafael Montero? My, my cat is in here. Misha, what do you think? <laughs> yeah, we hear. Uh, she doesn't even know. She, she, can't even, she can't even put a word to it. Uh, imploding. That's a good word. I'll just say imploding. Yeah, trash, trash can would be my word from Montero. Ryan Presley. Um, mediocre. I'm, I'm going to use mediocre for him. Yeah. A little disappointing. Uh, Brian Abreu. Um, average. Yeah. Uh, struggling, I would say. Struggling. I mean, he's had some good moments, but yeah, I'd I'd say, you know, struggling to average. Martin Maldonado. Uh, I'd say average. I'd say about the same. Yeah, it's you go through this list. It, it's not good. That none of these guys are having the season that we saw last year. Some of them are just not playing or just bad. Luckily, Hector Neris, Jeremy Pena, and Kyle Tucker haven't been too affected by playing in the WBC. But there's no question in my mind that when you have the shortest offseason of any team in baseball history, thanks to the late start to the season last year, Stephen, then combine it with no regular ramp up and stressful innings in March. Yeah, it didn't do this franchise any favors. No, it really didn't. And I do have a problem with where the World Baseball Classic is. And I know it's only, you know, every few years. It's not like it's going to be every year, but, you know, this is happening across baseball, too. There have been a number of injuries or a number of disappointing seasons where you didn't think they would happen. I just feel like there's got to be a better way to do the World Baseball Classic, because now I'm going to cringe every time it comes around and you've got a number of Houston Astros that are going to play. And look, it's not that I don't want players to represent their country. I, I just think there's there's a better way to go about it. But it, it's just one of those things, Robert. It's, it's been a hard luck year for the Astros in more ways than one. But, you know, you got to point to the evidence. The WBC is one of those reasons. Yeah, just it, the circumstances you know, playing six seasons in the playoffs, the extra season that the Astros have basically played, not just an extra season, but an extra very stressful season with, you know, you go in one month every year extra with the playoffs. It's just, and I know some of these guys, they haven't been there the whole time, the whole six seasons, obviously, but we know it just, it takes its toll, especially, you know, for some of these guys uh, that have, been doing this over and over and over again the last few years well and let's not forget and you may have even brought this up i think recently robert but if you're talking about the wbc you're just adding to it that the last few years the astros have played a whole lot of games you know more so than most teams just because they're trying you know they're getting to the alcs they're getting to the world series so when you add the world baseball classic on top of it man that that is a lot of games that you're trying to play yeah, and I get it that some of the guys that I talked about, they didn't get a bunch of innings in the World Baseball Classic. But, you know, one inning in the World Baseball Classic might be worth 10 innings of stress from a spring training outing or something like that. It's not it's not the same as a spring training game. No, it's not. I mean, it is a tune-up of sorts, but it's still not the same rhythm that you would expect in a spring training game. And it's just, you know, some of the unfortunate things, like Jose Altuve's injury was well, a freak thing. I mean... Who, who could have known? I mean, that could have happened to him in spring training as easily as it happened in the World Baseball Classic. So I'm not saying it's totally responsible. It just adds to the fact that it's just one of the many reasons the Astros are having the kind of season they're having. 
Man, I'm out of words for the Dusty Baker experience this year. And fans are about as angry, Stephen, as I've seen Houston fans get for a guy coming off a championship. I'll, I'll let you take the mic on, Dusty, because I, I think I've d- said my say at this point. Yeah. Well, I look, I know, you know, Dusty won a World Series and it was great, but every year is a different year. That's one thing you have to say. And whether he is his loyalty to his players is a fault or not is obviously debatable and they're both there are two sides to that but i just think that you know dusty i i really don't think dusty is going to come back this year i mean uh, next year rather i i have this feeling this may be it for him and you hope that he can go out as a winner like he did last year that certainly would be the best case scenario but yeah you know he's old school we know that he's loyal to his players we know that but it's what's gotten him this far and for the most part He's been a winner. He's just fallen short in many situations with other teams. And he finally got that World Series. I mean, he certainly had plenty of chances to get that World Series win. It took him a long time to do it, and he finally did it. So, you know, I think with Dusty, it's it's going to be a hot and cold thing. That's just how he manages. You know, every manager is going to go through those periods where fans are going to sit and second-guess everything they do. Now, if the Astros were running away with the division again, and looking like they were going to repeat for the World Series, it'd be a lot harder to criticize what he's done. But the fact that they aren't, then it's easier to take your shots at him. I I feel like it's gotten super personal for Dusty, and I'm going to explain because, look, Dusty was that old guy that other organizations tried to put out to pasture. They said, oh, he can't do it anymore. And Dusty treats some of his guys that people are trying to say, Maybe they can't do it anymore, whether it's a Jose Abreu or a Martin Maldonado or whoever. Like, hey, I'm going to hang in with these guys because they tried to do that to me. And look at me. I just won a championship. And here's the other thing, uh, Stephen, which which this is where I lose Dusty altogether. Chandler Brown wrote this week that it's no secret inside the clubhouse that Dusty is not a fan of Chaz McCormick and has it been since early last season he also wrote that it's impacted Chaz's playing time what do you think about a supposed players manager quote-unquote having a grudge against a particular player especially one that made one of the biggest plays in his first championship his only championship I don't know that it's having a grudge unless unless Chaz did something behind the scenes that we don't know about you know where he's really in a doghouse I I don't think it's I don't think it's a grudge, but I do think that managers just prefer certain players over others for whatever reason. It could be an intangible that they just, you know, relate to their personality or they they think that that player works harder than another player. I, I, you know, I hate to use the word prejudice, but I don't know what other to put in there that, that there are just some managers who are just more favored toward players than others. And I doubt that Dusty is the only one. It's maddening. Now, is Chaz McCormick a great player? Is he a Hall of Famer? No, he's not. Certainly not now, and I don't think he will be in ensuing years. Is he a good player? Does he come through when you need him to come through? Well, certainly. I mean, he did in the World Series without that catch. Who knows if the Astros would have won the World Series last year? I don't, I, you know, you have to wonder. But there are just some players that managers prefer, and then there are some that they just, you know, it's not that they hate them, dislike them. But they just don't like, you know, they, they just prefer someone else over them. I think that's what it is. 
Yeah, my my feeling on this though is, you, you know, if, if you're going to be fair as a manager, and you should be, you got to look at what's going on on the field. And right now, your offense is struggling, and Dusty has got to recognize that you know Chaz, for whatever you want to say about him, he yeah. he makes he makes clutch plays, he gets clutch hits, he's a clutch guy, and a team that is so desperate for some clutch hitting. I'm not saying playing jazz turns around this ball club, but you know, it, it just feels like a lot of this year, it's like he's, he's stuck him on the bench for this guy and that guy that really hasn't earned it the way Chaz has. And look, Jake Myers, you know, I, I, I think, you know, he's, he's, he's been fine this year, but Chaz is a better hitter than Jake Myers. And defensively we've seen Jake screw some stuff up. I know he's, run some things down in the outfield, but he's also screwed some stuff up. So it's hard for me really to say that, oh, Jake Myers out there every day in center field is way better than Chaz McCormick. Yeah, I would agree. And I think, you know, now that Jake Myers is starting to hit more, you know, and you're you're seeing Corey Jolks having, you know, starting to, to really find his, his groove this season, I think that that is at least helping the fact, it, I guess it's giving Dusty more ammunition for the fact that you can platoon some of these guys you know, but especially McCormick and Myers. You know, Myers was having such a disappointing season there for a while. He finally starting to put things together. But unfortunately, I think that's just adding more ammunition to Dusty's load that you can do that. So, yeah, that it, it might actually be a catch-22 in that, in that case. Well, I, I want to say this player has set, uh, set Jose Abreu a fire all of a sudden because John Singleton all of a sudden remember John Singleton he's back Stephen and he hit a home run on Saturday night he's with Sugarland he hit a home run and he doubled I think on Sunday you know and gosh look John Singleton is playing for his career right now there's no question about it I don't know if he can keep this up but he's certainly playing for his career right now this is his second time around with the Astros you know, he was got, you know, the, the Astros got him in a trade for, and my cat's coming up here. Sorry about that. <laughs> she's, she's getting animated about the Astros too. But, he, you know, they, they made a trade with the Phillies in 2011 for Hunter Pence. And that's where they got John Singleton. And, you know, of course, things did not go well. He was probably the only minor leaguer I know who signed a five-year contract before he even played a major league game. And it didn't go well. So, you know, he's back. He's had some drug issues in the past. This is his, probably his swan song. He was, you know, let go by the Brewers. He was DFA'd by them. And that's how the Astros got him back again. So, yeah, it's interesting. You know, the, the moves they've made at first base, uh, trying to put Yonder Diaz in there a little bit more, giving Gray, Gray Kessinger some room there. And now John Singleton in AAA. So, I don't know. It, it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out. But I still think, Robert, I still think, because he's starting to show signs of it, that Jose Abreu is finally going to find it when they really need it the most toward you know the latter part of the season. And then when you get in the postseason, maybe that's when he's going to start lighting it up. I mean, that's what Yuli did last year. We have just have to hope that Jose Abreu does the same thing this year. I mean, he's got to be, John Singleton does have to be a better left-handed option at first base than Bly Madras, right? I mean, Bly Madras? Yeah, yeah Bly Madras, you know, he's certainly unproven. He's not 
somebody that is going to be the the long term future first baseman. They're they're just it's almost like I don't think they're doing this purposely, but it's almost like they're throwing something up against the wall, hoping it will stick. And and that's what it looks like. Certainly, they're trying this guy out. They're trying that guy out while they sit a Brayu for a couple of days and seeing if he can find his stroke until the trade deadline. And you know maybe that's when they can make the kind of move that will really make a difference. I don't know. You know, that bat may be out there. It may not be. Somebody who can have a good bat, who can step in and play first base among other positions. But that's what they're doing right now. They're, they're just trying anything and everything, A, to get Jose Abreu really going again, and B, you know, just to get some kind of spark plug at first base just because it's it's been so poor this season. Yeah, it just surprises me that, you know, I, I I know he didn't have the greatest spring training, and I don't think he's played all that well in the minors this year. But J.J. Medijevic had, you know, he had some moments last year and was a lefty that could play first base and, and play other positions, too. I, I'm just surprised we haven't seen him at all this year with everything that's gone on with Abreu. Yeah, well, I think, yeah, he's had some moments, but he's also had, you know, some chances to shine, and he just hasn't. And I think at some point, you know, there are just some guys that they, they figure, well, let's give somebody else a shot. Let's give... Lime Madras, you know, maybe he can do a little bit better. Uh, I I don't know. Again, I think that they're just grabbing at straws here, trying to get something going, and Lime Madras is just the latest. John Singleton is another that you hope that maybe the second time around for him with the Astros will be the time. All right, man, let's move to the Rockets because, like every fan, I I love the draft. I hope everybody caught our Rockets post-draft show with Cooper Klein and Steven. Outside of losing the Wemby sweepstakes, is there anything the Rockets have done off the court since the season ended that you've been disappointed with? <laughs> well, you know, I think they were having their eyes on Amen Thompson for a long time. And I thought, of, I thought I got the impression that you were not very high on Amen, Robert. But to hear you in the draft show, uh, it sounds like you were as happy with the pick as, as everybody else. I'll tell you what I like about Thompson. I, I think that his work ethic and just his example – you know, as much as some of the other things he offers, he's, he's pretty good on defense. He could get better, and I think he will. But being – I know he's, you know, not any older really than some of these other young guys they have, but just the work ethic that was instilled in him growing up, I think that's going to make as much of a difference with everything, uh, anything else around these other young guys that they're going to pair him with. But I really can't argue with the pick, and my gosh, you know, to think – that the number 20 pick, Cam Whitmore, was still going to be there. I mean, who would have thought that? They were scrambling. They were trying like mad to make a trade to move up to get him because that's the guy they wanted. Sometimes the best things are just to not do anything and sit back, and it'll come to you. And that's exactly what Cam Whitmore did. That was amazing. I mean, a, a lot of teams were obviously a little wary of his injury history, and that's usually what happens when a player falls in the draft. But the Rockets are pretty confident that he can help them. So, man, I, I couldn't have been more pleased with the Rockets draft. I think it's one of the best ones they've had in years. I've always loved what I saw on tape from him with his passing. I've always been scared to death about the fact that he can't shoot. But I think yeah. the thing that won me over, the more I studied him, it wasn't the stuff on the court. It was the stuff that I read about him, uh, the interviews that I saw with him. He reminds me a lot of Jabari. I have a lot of faith in both of those guys because – I think there's a fire there. There are two guys that really care about basketball. They want to be great. They have that, you know, inner fire. 
And I'm still not sure that Jalen has it as much as I would like to see it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good to have two other guys that I think have it a little bit more, but we'll see. I have, there's, I'm not saying Jalen uh, doesn't have it for sure, but you know, I just don't see it as much maybe as I see in those two guys, especially when I hear interviews and the stories about him and stuff like that. And, you know, Cam and Amen, I'm both excited. I'm excited about Amen and Kim so much, but I want to see them play. Although, Stephen, I got to send a clear message to Rockets fans. Do you have any idea what message I want to send about those two guys? Uh, you know, they're, they're still projects. Exactly. They're still projects. Yeah, exactly. They are still projects. And we've got a couple other projects that have been in the pipeline already. You know, the the big message is that they're not going to be starters. They're not going to play 30 minutes per game this year unless there's some injuries. This is not the Silas tanking teams. I watched decades, and you've watched decades of NBA mm-hmm. basketball, Stephen, and teams try to win games, play veteran players, and they bring along rookies slowly. And I'll punctuate it by adding this. You win with defense rookies pretty much never good defensively they're never ready and that's even less likely with an overtime elite rookie and a kid that doesn't turn 19 until july with cam steven that's my warning to you rockets fans out there that are like ready for a ton of those two guys well and that's also the reason you don't bring james harden back because you know he's not going to play defense so you couple that with the fact that I, i think that's why the plan for the rockets is to get one or two role-free, you know, maybe a, a pretty high free agent, you know, one that you're going to have to pay a bit of money for, and then another perhaps to to work around these guys so that you can take the time with Amen, um, Amen Thompson, I think is how you pronounce it. You can take some time with Cam Whitmore. And, you know, who knows what other kind of sign and trades you can do. So they still have some possibilities to work with. But I agree with you. I don't I don't think you're going to see both of these guys starting. And in fact, I don't remember where I read this, but I saw somewhere that there's also that possibility that one of these guys could have a stint in the G League and just develop that way, you know, with Rio Grande Valley or, you know, who the G League team is and come up at some point later on and help you out that they may not even be on the roster for a little while. That's something else that could be explored depending on what the Rockets do in free agency in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, I assume that they're going to get somebody on the wing. The Rockets are going to sign somebody on the wing. So I would assume Cam Whitmore could have a stint down there. Maybe both guys will, but I for sure Cam Whitmore. Um, This is the list of the Rockets' free agent targets besides James Harden, according to the Chronicles' Jonathan Fagan. Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez, Bruce Brown, Jordan Clarkson, Rui Hachimura, Austin Reeves, Cam Johnson, Dante DiVincenzo, Dylan Brooks, Jacob Pertle, Dwight Powell, and Fred Van Vliet. Some of those names we'd already heard, some yeah. new ones in the last few days. Hachimura, Reeves, and Johnson, all restricted. I'd be shocked yeah. if the Lakers and Nets didn't match any offers for those three guys. Milwaukee appears dead set on re-signing Chris Middleton. You would think they're going to get that deal done. Of the guys left on this list... Brooke Lopez, Bruce Brown, and Van Bleet are the three I'd be most excited about as long as they don't go nuts with Van Bleet's contract. 
I don't know if you have any preferences, Stephen, but they got to add at least 47 more million to hit the cap minimum this year. So they're going to sign two and probably three guys. Yeah, I think that that's, as I was saying, they're going to sign at least a couple guys and they've got 60 million total, if I'm not mistaken, to spend. You know, I've, I've always been a Brooke Lopez fan. I would love to see Brooke Lopez in a Rockets uniform. I used to be a Chris Middleton fan. I think several years ago, we even talked about him as a, as a possibility, but he's getting up there and he's had some injury problems. You know, Austin Reeves, another name you mentioned, I, I don't think they really have a chance with him. I think he's going to stay where he is more than likely. And yeah, most of these other guys that you talked about are restricted free agents. It's going to be very difficult for the Rockets, you know, even if they make a sizable offer that their teams aren't going to try to match them. So, I mean, I would say Brooke Lopez, Bruce Brown, you know, maybe those are the two that, that you can't, you know, Van Vliet, I like Van Vliet. Um, but yeah, I wonder if he is going to man- command maybe a little too much money that what he could bring to the table. But I think those are the three guys. You know, I think they can at least get one of those three guys, maybe two if you're lucky. The problem with Van Vliet, I think is going to be that he wants four years. I mean, he's 29 years old. This is his last big contract, potentially. You would think he would want four years. And if you're the Rockets in it, and if you're uh, wanting to leave room for Ahmed Thompson to start playing in a couple of years, maybe that it's not such a good thing that you got Van Vliet, especially if you're giving him a big contract. Now, maybe four years, $30 million, you could fade that, especially the CBA goes up. So $30 million might seem like $20 million in, in two or three years. But I, I don't know. That That's my concern. Van Bleek, the number in the years have to be just right. I like him, but the number in the years have to be right. <laughs> well, you know, maybe the Rockets should take a page out of the Astros book and be very careful about signing these big contracts because if they don't pan out, you're stuck with them for a while. So. Sure. <laughs> and, and, you know, but but thinking about the Texans for a second, I mean, they, you know, there are some positions that you just have to overpay for. And obviously for the Texans, it was left tackle. You know, maybe for one of these positions, the Rockets have to look at, yeah, we don't really want to spend a whole lot of money on this, but maybe they will have to overpay at least a little bit one of these guys in order to get some, you know, consistency at that position. Yeah, I, I don't know how they thread the needle here, but I mean, this is big because I'm going to be paying very, very close attention to what's happened, especially you talked about it, especially after what we saw with the Astros and, and them overpaying some older guys. The Rockets, you know, it's 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 tough because you there's so many guys on the roster. It's like, well, I don't know if this guy is going to turn into something. If he does, yeah. you want to have the ability to let it be able to play in a couple of years. You, you would have the ability to give them a, 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 a max extension or at least a really good extension in a couple of years when uh, the, the time to, to give an extension, which is now at, at the four-year mark, comes into play. Well, that's right. And I'll tell you this. I, I have confidence in Ime Odoka that he can get the job done. The guy's a winner, and I know he's got a lot of young guys to develop but again, getting a couple, maybe even three good veterans who are not just good players, but are good role models for these guys. I think really in the full scheme of things, I'm actually, for the first time in three years, Robert, I'm actually excited about the Rockets and what they can do 
And I, you know, I don't think they're going to make the playoffs necessarily, but who knows, man, the, the fact that they have a coach in here that I think can really do something with this team and the drafting the way they are, if they can just mesh them all together, I think it's going to be a great, at least a great improvement for the Rockets, if nothing else, just like the Texans. I mean, I feel the same way about them. They, they've got some exciting things going. It's going to take a while more than likely, especially in football. You know, I've always felt in basketball, it doesn't take nearly as long, usually, if you do it the right way. One last trivia question for you. Do you have any idea what Amen and and Asur's middle name is? Have you heard uh, it's like XL, it, it's excellence, right? XLNC or something like that, right? Yes, yes. <laughs> it's. I know, I saw that the other day and I had to, I had to do a double take, and that was uh, from their father, if I'm not mistaken. And I want to say I saw an interview with Ahmed, and he said his real first name is A-B-E-I-Z, like Amaze. Oh, Amaze, yeah. But, of course, Ahmed is a little easier to pronounce. And, you know, every time he makes a three or, you know, makes a, a good play, can't you just hear everybody going, amen? <laughs> I mean, it's, uh, it's a name you can't pass up. Amaze Excellency is basically yeah. what his, his name is, kind of. So that's that's pretty cool. Yeah, that um, is pretty cool. I love that. So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it, it's it's worth going back to check what we, we talked about with the Rockets uh, a few days ago. And we're going to be continuing because free agency is going to be here in a week and I'm going to work on getting a guest uh, to talk about the free agent pickups. And we're just, I think, two weeks away, Stephen, from Summer League, believe it or not. Wow, isn't that something? Yeah, it's funny. The draft and then free agency and then Summer League is all almost on top of each other. So, I, you know, it, it's going to be. And then football starting next month. So we're going to get to see what the Texans look is going to be this year. So, you know, if the Astros can just get it together, and I think they will to a point. But, again, I, I don't think that this is going to be one of those seasons that – Fans have been spoiled on, Robert. I just think sometimes it's just going to have to happen a different way. If it's going to happen again this year, if they're going to make the postseason, if they're going to, you know, at least get to the World Series or get deep in the playoffs, it's not going to be running away with the division. It's just not going to happen this year. But that's okay. As long as they get there, what does it matter? We're going to have a very important conversation with Kenny Van Doren talking about the Astros minor league system and how that connects to what's going on this year with the Astros and the trade deadline. So you're going to want to look out for that. It's on Wednesday. Sean will be back Thursday for our regular show. He says he will, maybe he's just going to, you know, stick, stay in some place where it's like much cooler than Houston and, and not a hundred degrees every day, Steven. I don't know. He might just decide to leave us all together for the summer. Boy, I tell you what, I wouldn't blame him. I'd, I'd go to about the coldest place I can get to right now because it is so darn hot. But, hey, it's always a pleasure to be on with you, Robert. Thanks for having me. I, I enjoyed it. Thanks a bunch. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Hey, don't forget to support us by subscribing and commenting on YouTube. You can always listen to us on Spotify, Apple, or your favorite podcast app. Tell your friends about us and share our show links on social media. Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening.